You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. Trent Flaskins here, your host. As always, we are talking the regional market today. Been a little bit of time to get some data as to how things are going since covid Brendan Ptolemy from Heron Tob White is the only man I want to speak to about this. As always, we're going to fly through this. We're going to start from south and end up with the front runner out in Carrath, or I'm guessing. Yep. Yep. Uh, and Brendan, thanks for coming in, mate. <laughs> Trent, how are you going? Good? Yeah, I'm enjoying this renaissance right now where we all thought we were going to be out of a job and life's just ticking on. Yep. We, uh, we've got some really good atmosphere in our office at the minute. People, our admin team just drifting back from having worked at home. Uh, our residential valuers often work from home just about all the time. But so lots of smiles on people's faces and yeah, just a very nice atmosphere around the place. Do you have to sack anyone out in the regions? No, we've been busy in the regions. We've actually been busier than usual in the region, probably because we have better efficiencies there in terms of having people on the ground than maybe some of our competitors. So yeah, it's been really good for us in the regions. And I guess if you have to get rid of like that one person in a town, it's pretty hard to get them back or find someone else, right? Yeah, it's pretty hard to find a value of no, full Anywhere. stop. <laughs> so <laughs> if they're in a regional area, they're staying there for us, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's start from the, from the southwest market. People are obviously coming back. The Airbnbs turned into rentals for a while. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We went down, my wife and I went down to Carry Valley a little while ago, enjoyed that time. Yep. It would have been a scary time for a while down in the southwest. But yeah. The first to open up again, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and that atmosphere in terms of your local economy and especially when tourism is a massive proportion of your economy obviously that affects all of the attitude around town and that floats into the property market but checking in with our team down there it's, it is following Perth a lot so we're, we're much less busy down there and you do get affected in a bigger way in terms of a higher percentage of work drop but that's pretty logical in a, a market that has less volume and, and obviously you notice a little it bit more. more patchy yeah but we're soldiering on and really what we're seeing is a very low number of sales in that kind of Busso, Bunbury region, southwest region, that are slightly lower than they were before, maybe good buying. The majority are at what they were at before, pre-crisis in terms of value or or slightly better. Is that um, because the people that are selling, they know what their property's worth and they're not just going to sell to some lowballer? Yeah, so it varies down there. Obviously, you've got a, a, a very uh, kind of project home type, um, new home uh, marketplace where you've got your normal turnover. Anything in the holiday market slash second home, holiday house type place or rental holiday house, often they'll take a longer time to transact because you're right, the vendor will sit there and say, I'm not selling for less than this. Plus, they want to make the right decision. So they'll the buyer will wait and consider things for a long period of time before they actually make the jump into the, that special holiday house. Ironically, out of all the carnage of April, given the hard borders and given the fact we're not going to Bali anytime soon, I would have thought that this would be a great advertisement space for that southwest over the next six months where a lot of people might even decide to buy their own holiday home down there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because people will be looking at kind of world view, local view, um, including Bali and local view, um, yeah. <laughs> and considering their options. So what we've seen in the Perth market is a lot of people considering their options and saying, well, I'm going to go and buy a brand new house. 
uh, signing up for new house deals are, are, are going really well at the moment. And the similar thing might happen in terms of, right, what are my holiday options? I've always thought about buying something in the southwest or on the north coast or whatever the case might be. And what we have seen so far, the definitive trend in this in out of the crisis is people are making decisions. Are there any risks from a valuer point of view when I want to go and buy a holiday home, a second home, when it comes to things like risk ratings on rentals or the condition of the home is it any harder to go and buy a property in the southwest when it comes to getting the the bank to stack it up with the valuer yeah it shouldn't in theory be any harder but it will change depending on the property so as soon as the property is slightly different to usual which is often the case in the southwest you know architecturally it might be different land wise it might be different you go to a place like gracetown and the entire town doesn't have scheme water so everything's got a water tank they're the kinds of things that suddenly the value is going to take into account and then have to have a look at and say, hey, well, you know, that needs a new water tank or the architecture of the place is uh, pretty old and so the risk ratings are going high. You know, the old beach shack type idea, mm. it's got asbestos. So, uh, and so yeah. you end up with different types of risk ratings, yeah. Yep. Does that mean that there's a chance that you could be, qualify for a loan but then the bank come back and say, sorry, I guess not for us because of what the value has said? Is that, does that happen? Yeah, it, it certainly would happen in some cases, yeah. And a lot of that time... It, You'll find these days the banks will be probably willing to have a look at things and and try and understand the risk more. What they're more worried about in regional locations, the banks, is is size of population and what that underlying local economy is doing. So when you get to those smaller towns uh, and potentially a town based on, say, a a mining economy or a a singular economy, they'll be more worried about those risk ratings and the Okay, uh, so it's more the postcode blacklist. That's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, Where I'm... are the postcode blacklists that you see at the <laughs> moment? Obviously, you're not on the bank side, but you would notice where on the regional space you're getting work and where you're not. Yeah. So, well, from our point of view, it seems to us that the banks uh, will pick and choose where they're going to lend. There is one bank that doesn't do that definitively. They, they seem to lend in every single postcode. But then the, the other three of the major four seem to turn things on and off depending on where they are. So Northwest is, is always interesting. So we've got some relatively healthy volumes for three or four of the banks in there at the moment, one of them being the local one. And then the other couple are probably not as active in there. And then the smaller bank lenders just don't touch it. So if you've got a, a loan in the city with a smaller bank lender, you're probably not going to get That's the loan. That's a great message, yep. though, a bit of advice for people who might be looking at investing probably as an investment in a property in the northwest or the southwest. You're probably going to have to stick to the big four and yeah. ask those questions first. Yeah, and they're used to dealing in those locations. Often they've got a branch there. You know, it's quite surprising to us with the branch distribution across WA how you can go to some small towns and suddenly find that there is actually a branch and then obviously then... That leads to a lot of work for our, from our point of view as well from the, the locals in the in the area. Yeah. Okay. So how have the numbers been going in places like Bunbury, for example? Because yeah. they're sort of halfway, right? They're half residential, half holiday, half... Yeah. What is Bunbury these days? Yeah, so t- turnover's going okay uh, and similar to Perth, dropping away slightly in supply. Have taken... So there's a couple of suburbs in Bunbury that aren't that nice because it is a bigger town. And So yeah, and they so some of those suburbs are still correcting slightly, a little bit like some of the suburbs that are less sought after in Perth. They're waiting to bounce back. The lifestyle properties, the quality properties are turning over. And again, like the Perth market, you're sitting there waiting for the values. The people that have waited for the values to drop have seen 
mean that actually they're, they're not falling off a cliff. They're actually on the way back and consolidated. I have seen a couple of mates of mine on Facebook buying property in Kalgoorlie recently. Right. Has there been any change <laughs> up there from your side or are they bucking the trend? Yeah, well, maybe they're just following the gold price. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, look, we, we've done a long, uh, have a long history of doing a lot of mortgage and possession valuations through there, uh, through all different types of property in, in Cal. I wouldn't be so bold as to ju- suggest that that's dropping away, but certainly the take-up of some, some of that property has been uh, very consistent over the last kind of 12 months. So definitely heading in the right direction. It's not going to go gangbusters in terms of values bouncing back, but it has got some fundamentals of the supply being soaked up a little bit, probably a little bit of the feel of, okay, I can still get a bit of a bargain here. And that rental market actually holds up pretty well. It's a consistently decent rental market, uh, in particular, if you buy something that's very rentable. Oh, I mean, you can buy a property location. for $100,000 in Kalgoorlie, right? Yeah. So uh, everything is positively geared there. It's just that buy how much and then if you know you need a new hot water system, does that kill yep. your whole budget for the year? Yeah, exactly. It's like small numbers we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but it's still a busy town. When you talk about local economy, it is one of the ones that consistently seems to... I know it's got its troubles and it is a completely different town to lots in WA but it still has a, uh, a very decent underlying local economy. It's a bit of lithium play happening in there as well, a bit of um, the copper play and that kind of stuff, So um, and nickel. Maybe that'll drive a resurgence in there. So a bit stronger than a year or two ago, but I'm guessing still probably not somewhere where you're exactly comfortable. Yeah, and look, you know, people are going to find reasons to go and buy in there, Yeah, and that might be a return. It might be level of capital to required to get in. Certainly wouldn't discourage everyone from looking, but just be careful. And housing quality is probably the big question in Cal. Make sure you see the property before you buy it. Absolutely need to go and walk through it, yeah. I'm assuming nothing's changed in Geraldton. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, so still oversupplied, still uh, some some oversupply and mortgage and possession problems in a few suburbs. A lot of that driven by some socioeconomic activity. And then just when you, you go from Cal to Gero and you start talking about that difference in the local economy, Gero really is struggling to get any traction for that local economy to, to give everyone, you know, the consumer sentiment in town, that level of, okay, we're ready to move on, we're ready to invest, you you know, the local landowners, developers, even the local council are saying, right, we've got enough money, let's get in here and invest and go to the next level. I don't think that is going to change for a long time, is what it is. Uh, Newman. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly bought a house in Newman, Brendan, yes. a couple of months ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was very close. Yeah, still got its challenges, still a fair bit of empty property up there. Really interesting that uh, we were still able to get in and out of there in terms of flying it out because that's a central a town service. that we yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we were designated as an essential service and there were a few properties that still needed to be valued and, and returned, as in reports returned to the client. So, yeah, look, the market has recovered that little bit. It's still got the oversupply happening. It's still a divide in terms of good part of town versus poorer part of town or inferior part of town. Certainly would be one of the more risky places to go and invest in. The thing that staggers me the most, though, is the sheer weight of investment going on in, in mines within kind of 100, 150 k's of Newman is just absolutely mind-blowing. But we also need to remember that a lot of those those mines will have their own airstrips, so a lot of those people will never come near Newman. Yeah, they'll, it's, they'll a, fly it's, about the, it's about the overflow of those subcontractors having a yep. local base. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that COVID helped. No, definitely not. No, it did pull the rug in terms of uh, having that confidence in the in the local town. Yeah, uh, having said all that, obviously mining industry has continued to go uh, very strongly in terms of keeping their their uh, workforce. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, Newman's clearly a bit of a watch brief there because I was very close to buying something around in, in the pandemic yep. in Newman, good quality sort of area, yep. higher end product. And obviously rental returns attractive. And, I mean, obviously, yeah, pre- the, the rental yield, 12%. Yep. And, and values are based on yields, yep. right? So if that continues to increase, so does the value of the house. Yep. I didn't pull the trigger because I was more interested in some pop property in Perth at some higher higher density. Yep. But it's, for me personally, this is my own perspective, something I'm going to continue to watch because yep. I think that if we can see that reignition in Newman and people get back to it when they're physically able to start moving their businesses back up there again for the same reasons that Carafa is doing so well, Newman has still has that opportunity. It is yep. still way under replacement value in an industry that is still chuffing along very nicely. Yeah, yeah. And that type of yield level will attract investors every day of the week. Yeah. Port Hedland's an interesting one because they've still been selling a lot of property. Yeah, yeah. So turnover in there has been really strong. Certainly our volume of work in the location has been really strong in terms of both finance, refinance and, and still some MIP work to do through there. Driven a fair bit by locals, but also by investors in there. And just some probably a little bit of turnover in town as well. So people going from... Uh, living in potentially South Headland, moving into Port Headland, within Port Headland, being in the dust zone and those kinds of things and trying to get away from the port a little bit. So a little bit of natural turnover happening in the town as well. Do you think that many people up in the Pilbara really noticed anything with regards to the pandemic? They were probably they were going about their normal days most of the time. Do you have any of that anecdotal evidence from the valuers up there as to whether uh, they even noticed? Yeah, so it's certainly anecdotal evidence from the southwest saying that was just business <laughs> yeah. as usual down there. Uh, and a, a similar story as well from our valuer in Karatha. Certainly very laid back. Uh, that lifestyle up there is obviously at a at a certain level uh, of consistency on a daily basis. Weather coming into the really good season, and so yeah, they're not not a lot of panic. Um, they did have some cases around Karatha, so there was a little bit of that, uh, like looking around at each other in town, going, "Am I at risk Who's here?" Got it? Yeah. But um, I think that ended up evolving into kind of making sure that the mine workers were all okay, local Aboriginal communities are all okay. That that kind that of that was thing. the focus. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's finish off with Karatha, the golden child of the region. Before COVID and around Christmas time, the message really was going nutso. Yep. What's happened since? Yeah, so nutso's calmed down a little bit, but it's still very strong. And in terms of value growth, you know, we're up to seven hundred odd thousand dollar transactions happening in the better suburbs for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're crazy value levels. They're some of the lower end have come back by a few percent, so five percent or so in terms of the lesser quality stock. So it's something that potentially a, a local doesn't want to buy, but it's still been driven very hard by by local buyers. So getting into the you know getting out of the rent side of things or getting into getting out of an existing property and getting into a lifestyle type property that might have things like big patios and sheds and, and pools and those kinds of things or, or more land to park the toys on. Well, when you think about the mortgage rates, which everyone gets the same interest rates around the country, right? Yeah. Uh, and you think about being a local, you'd be starting to get a bit nicked off in, about your rent increasing over the last year yep. to a point where you go, you know what, stuff this, I'm making enough money up here. I'm going to buy a property and I'll pay half the amount in mortgage. Yeah, exactly. And so rents did take a step jump up. That has continued to drive uh, that demand from a, a local purchase point of view and it has been through another challenge so when we were saying it was going gangbusters and things were going all right uh, Woodside got rid of a number of contractors created some rental vacancies so that meant that rents calmed down a little bit but it, the really interesting thing is that it hasn't killed it off the activity is still there and values haven't dropped again so it's gone through a little a little mini shock and come out the other side of it sounds like Perth
Yeah, it does, does. <laughs> yeah. So that level of caution from your perspective in a place like Caratha has the stain washed away? Yeah, and this is always an interesting one because you talk Pilbara to, in particular, East Coast banks who I talk to a lot, and they are still sitting around with their kind of hands under their rear ends, not wanting to do much. Obviously, they're open for business up there because money is being lent out consistently, but um, it still does have that uh, stain and stigma on the East Coast. Should they? And I don't, you know, obviously it's recovered really well. Caratha itself's got a a very strong long-term economic future, and it is the hub, the northwest hub for all that happens in that economy up there, and it's a very livable place. It is. It's actually a lot nicer than I expected when I first went there. I thought, you know what, if I didn't have a business in Perth, I wouldn't have a problem with living up here for a while. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Weather is absolutely fantastic. I've just got a hungry yeah. jacks, mate. That's all you need, right? <laughs> well, that was one of my favourite things on Twitter this year, just saying uh, <laughs> the, line? The, the, the nighttime photo of the car lights all lined up at Hungry Jacks. Yeah. Mate, awesome. Thanks very much, mate. I uh, really appreciate you coming in again, and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. You're our favourite expert. We'll have you in again for a 100th episode. Awesome. Thanks, Trent. Looking forward to it. Okay, suburb spotlight time. Today we are talking about one of the smaller suburbs in Perth, but one of the more vibrant ones, certainly in the south area of Perth. It is East Vic Park. Our number one agent is Tash Welburn. Thank you very much for coming in, mate. Thanks for having me. How would you characterize East Vic Park as a lifestyle? If you could give it a persona, what would it be? Just, it's a really good demographic. It's a mix of everything, East Vic Park. So you don't have to wear the right activewear. <laughs> it's a really good mix. Um, you've got the, the young professionals, pre-babies, baby boomers. It's, a real, it's just a really good mix. There's no, you can't really pigeonhole in it into one area. Uni students, they're you know renting there to go to Curtin Uni and then you've literally got right up to retirees wanting to be closer to the city for medical services. It hits a lot of price points yep. and it's probably got a lot of people who wish they were in Vic Park but then a lot of people who don't want to be in St. James or Bentley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. in between sort it is, of suburbs. It is a bit, yeah. Look, St. James is definitely coming up, and I obviously won't talk about that suburb, but no, it is... Look, um, it's an up-and-coming suburb. It's an up-and-coming. So people that can't really get into East Vic Park, I've had a lot of East Vic Park sellers sell to go to St. James because of the bigger blocks as well. So St. James, you do get the bigger blocks, where East Vic Park has been chopped up a lot because there's been a lot of subdivisions and developments going on. Do, so, do you get downsizers coming from Vic Park and Lathlane? Yes, yes, yes. So it's it's a funny suburb because always people say, you know, what's your average, you know, average price and average person in the area. There isn't really an average. It really is such a mix. It's in, You can have a $200,000 budget or even a little bit less and buy a one-bedroom unit or you can buy, you know, up to a million dollars, $1.3 million for a home. So. Is it the cafe strip lifestyle they come to East Vic yeah, Park for? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the cafe lifestyle, especially East Vic Park. It was always Vic Park, Vic Park, Vic Park, Vic Park, but the cafe strip seems to have really really taken off in East Vic Park. So definitely, I mean, just with the COVID we've just had, they started Facebook pages to promote all the businesses and it did really well. And most of the businesses were able to stay stay afloat. And um, the community they, support was Community supports, really, everyone went, okay, how can we help? Okay, the businesses are suffering. Let's see what we can do. So community Facebook pages, Willis Street, one of the really popular streets in East Vic Park, did Sculptures by the Sea. They did Sculptures on uh, Willis Street. It nice. made ABC News. So yeah. Well, people it, still want their coffee yeah. they still want their frozen yogurt yeah, yeah, they yeah. still want their little takeaway the uber Eats. i think people were buying more because they were really trying to support the business i know yeah. instead of you know buying once a week people were trying oh well, let's buy a couple of times a week and really help out these businesses so the community support is really strong but definitely the demographics you can buy in the area a small unit a one-bedroom unit you can 
they're so cheap at the moment. You can get them up under a couple of hundred thousand. Then you can, and then oh, we find people just upgrade, so they stay in the area, and then they just wait for the next one, and then they go to a villa or they go to a small character home. The character homes hold the value, though. I mean, I could have a brand new house or a character, and I'd sell the character home ten times over for more money. Why is that? Everyone more maintenance. Know, Instagram ready. I don't know Pinterest. <laughs> it's it's really what people want is the character. It's literally it's sometimes I can't even believe at the prices we get for character homes. You know, nineteen twenties, nineteen fifteens home, renovated or unrenovated, people flock to them. But you get a new home and it's not so much. But the value really holds up in the weatherboard. Is it the land they want? No, not so much. It's the uh, location and the character. I mean, it, I was, that, that, the Fibro's house. Yeah. It's, Financially, it's not always the best idea. There's a lot of maintenance oh, problems lot of that can but come they with come, these houses. But these young ones are not being. But they come in with this Instagram, Pinterest, and they don't realise probably how much it's going to cost to yeah. renovate them. It's just you know, I've renovated five myself. It's just an you know, an old house is um, it's like buying an old car. It's like an old. As we get older, more maintenance, more maintenance. But they just fall in love with the idea. But they do, in a sense, with young people. You sort of say to them, well. It's a smart option to buy because they're the ones that hold the value. For me, the word for East Vic Park is gentrification. Yep. It's really changed its stripes in the yep. last couple of decades. Yep, yep. Can you tell us about how those stripes were yeah. 67 well, years ago? Well, I mean, obviously I wasn't around then, but obviously, you know, it was bikies, prostitutes. It was a really working class. Fights at the pub because there's quite a few pubs in East Vic There are a lot of pubs on that road. A lot of them there that now have sort of turned a little bit. Look, we haven't turned into Yuppieville, which is, like I said, you don't need the right active word to live in East Vic Park. But it's definitely, the it's changed, definitely, you know. I mean, I know when I bought my first house about 16, 17 years ago, massive block, city view, subdividable. You know, my parents like what are you doing it's such a because it was it was dumps a really yeah, it was yeah. it was a dumps feel it was sort of the area like oh you know a bit like people sort of um the out suburbs of bentley and st james wrong side of the tracks. yeah it was it was the wrong side of the tracks but i kept thinking well it's close to the city i could see the city standing mm. on this block so they always say location is everything and it's just grown and grown and grown so. what about that lifestyle for young families yeah schools yeah yeah you got yep. ursula frayne down yep. the road yep. you got kent street mm-hmm. what about what else is there? Millen in terms Street. Of the look, Millen Street's done really well. Like when my daughters are sixteen and nineteen now. So when I first um, started looking at schools, Millen wasn't really an option at that time because the demographics have changed so much. I would have no problem sending my child to Millen Primary School now. My girls went to Ursula Frayne. I find our downfall is the high school. A lot of p- people perceive Kent Street as I'm not sending my kids to Kent Street. Mm. Now, to be honest, Kent Street has some of the best teachers in the state and it has all the sports program and the aviation, aviation, that's the word. So, and the people that I know that go to Kent Street, it's a great school, but it's just unfortunately got a bad stigma. But as demographics change, and they are, I think it'll slowly, people will start, because you have to go to private schools. And at $25,000 a pop, Mm. you know, a year, I mean, my girls went to Penrose, but... There's a lot of kids from that Vic Park wing that do go to your Aquinas, your Penrose, your Wesley, right? Yeah, they do. They do. Most of them go either Mercedes, Trinity, Aquinas, Penrose and Wesley. They're your your schools. It's an easy bus route to get there. Yeah, easy bus, close for parents. I can drive to Penrose in, you know, three minutes from my house in East Vic Park. But obviously, 
they're $25,000 a year. <laughs> so I think give it another five or so years. The demographics, um, I think a lot of people will start shifting. And I don't, don't think there's anything wrong with Kent Street. Like I said, if I was doing it again, I would definitely look at it with my children. But it's unfortunate it's just got that stigma. One thing I noticed is funny is the proximity that the Vic Park precinct has to like the South Perth precinct. Mm-hmm. But I rarely see people move from one to the other. No. What's, there's not like there's a big chasm in between geographically or topographically. Mm-hmm. Why do people stick to one side of Kensington, really? I don't know. I think it's just the, I think it's the community. I said, I don't know the South Perth. I mean, I know where it is, obviously, but I don't, I think we just have such a good vibe. Everyone, it's like in Ireland, they say there's 20 pubs on a street and people just stick to that one sort of pub. Yeah. It's sort of a bit like that. People are really focused. They go to that one coffee shop and they're really loyal. They're invested in yeah. the community. They really are, and it really noticed it more with the COVID, I think. that really. I always knew we were really community-based, but I've now realised how much East Vic Park is so community-based. Okay, let's talk about those price points yeah. then. How You said it could get under $200,000 for a little one-bedroom. Yeah, a little one-bedroom, yeah. Are they the old flats? Yeah, they're the old flats. Um, Will you recommend you know. buying there or not? I mean, obviously you sell them. Yeah, yeah, so of course. If I've got one for sale, definitely buy it. Entry level, if that's... I always say... Buy the best location you can afford in. That's always been my mantra. mantra. So, you know, buy the best location you can afford in. So if you can only afford a one-bedroom unit, you, I would buy a one-bedroom unit in East Vic Park, especially as a young person starting out. It's fun. It's fun. you got somewhere you can renovate it. Buy, buy one that's a little bit, you know, go spend your weekends at Bunnings and Ikea, tizz it up a bit. You can hardly lose a lot of money no. in that price range. No, they don't you? go up like it's not like you're going to make massive growth but when you've got a bit of equity you can move to the next one and keep it and rent it out they always rent them out and well and the mortgage on them right now are cheaper than the rent oh, would yeah be. well it would be so really if you're a young person paying rent just go buy but and not being you know but something they want at all the amount of houses i sell to young people there's seven eight hundred thousand how can you afford this yeah and i think oh we're gonna have a baby soon i thought oh you're gonna be ringing me because you're not gonna be able to <laughs> afford the house yep. <laughs> so because everyone wants everything which i understand but start I've still got my unit I bought in Broome 20, 25 years ago. Start with something small and just buy in the best locations. Yeah, but you can. You can get in. It's not like one of those suburbs that, oh, my God, I need a million dollars to get in. Yeah. You can get in for under 200000 It's interesting, though, how the market in the old one-by-one flats is dumped around the whole city, really. Yeah, you can yeah. go to Mosman Park, yep. you can go to Leadable, yep. you can go to Subiaco, you can go to East Vic yep. Park. All those one by ones now, those yeah. old flats oh, that are, are sub two hundred. Yeah, yeah. And the only problem, look, I think the problem with it is the strata fees. They do the strata because they're old. The strata fees are quite high, so that can turn a lot of people off. But um, even a villa, like I've got a villa at the moment, you know, three ninety nine, fully renovated, three by one, no strata fees, standalone. Yeah. So you know, near the train. So you know, buy a um a villa. But yeah. Let's step it up. Yeah. What are we buying for three four hundred grand? Three four hundred. Yes, that's a hard range. Like, like I just said, the three by one. You can get a three by one villa for around the high threes, low fours. Three hundred. There's you're still at the unit stage, really. Okay. A bit of nicer. So you don't, you know, that under five hundred. But there are some bargains on. I just saw um, a listing just come up on Oat Street in East Vic Park. Three ninety nine character house. Three by two. So that's good, but it's a not it's on Oak Street. It's as well. on Oak Street, yeah. but you know, but if oh, but if you want to get into the area, you can still it's still affordable. If I'm looking for a family home, yep. what, how would you characterise that in East Vic Park in terms of land size and house size? Well, it depends. I mean, again, this comes back to the character homes. I just sold a beautiful four by two, fully renovated on Willow Street. So that's premier location on the characters. You know, within 
thirty-second walk to the strip, nine hundred thousand dollars. How big is the four hundred and thirty? Four hundred and it's green title, so they're all green title down that. You know, they haven't been subdivided because that's that, that's the initial t- block that they were back in the yeah, day. The back in the day, so they haven't been chopped up. Then, if you cross over, so if you go over Berwick Street, you get the little bit bigger. The block starts to get a little bit bigger. You can buy a family. I think one sold on Devonish. I think they sold for about nine forty. So that was a brand newish home mm. on about six hundred square meters. It's a bit of a jump there, isn't there? <laughs> from the from the villas that are yeah. aging or yeah. to the renovated family yeah. homes. Yeah, you can buy the unrenovated characters' homes for about or oh, anywhere from five to six hundred thousand. But then people got to remember to renovate; it's going to cost you three hundred thousand to yeah, do to it get proper. It up the yeah, way to get it. it, it yeah. Yeah. But then again, if you're starting out, you don't need to do it straight away. It's definitely you know entry level. Are there properties that are already in the early to mid ones? I will say that it will start creeping up, especially those character ones that are really high spec. What do you think of the viability of some of the new apartment buildings coming up on the yeah, Strip? Yeah, the Vic Park Quarter, that's done really well. I've um, sold a few homes for people that have moved into the Vic Park Quarter. I mean, the penthouse just sold for about 1.1. <laughs> Look, I'm I finding the people, all the people that, I sold their house to move to Vic Park Quarter. They were retirees or downsizing and they just like the, obviously they love, they didn't want to move from the area. They want the lock and leave lifestyle and they've done really well. They were very high quality apartments, um, high strata fees, well, you know, for a new apartment block, but they still sold quite quite a lot of them. Let's segue then into that development space, subdivision space has East Vic Park's top agent. What would you suggest is currently the most profitable avenue for people to take look young people um, i mean big buying a bit of land like there are still the old blocks with the asbestos fibro homes they're not subdividable yet zoning always does change but maybe buy something for long term and hopefully zoning might change but land you can't go wrong with land near the city so you know you buy a block that's seven you know anywhere from six to eight hundred square meters it's not subdividable still r20 still r20 but you're buying, you can buy, I've got one at the moment, 650, 650 grand, city views, old fibre house, but very livable. It's not Instagram ready or anything like that, but you're going to get into it. Buy land. You can't go wrong buying land. So are you telling me that there really aren't that many development or subdivision opportunities no. in, the, in these big parts? No, there isn't really. It's quite unique. Yeah, it's very unique. And when they do come up, it comes with a premium price tag because you get a few people. So they don't come up. Most um, sellers will do it beforehand now. They'll do it and then sell because they'll make more money. They'll, you know, ret- um, I'm just selling one at the moment. That's what they did. They subdivided it. We're selling the front house. They've renovated it. And when they sell the back block. So most people are onto it. If you've got something like that, you might as well develop. You're going to make your money. Yeah. So very rare. They're very rare to come up. I guess the biggest opportunities are those people who can afford to maybe pull a few lots together and do something yeah, in yeah, a denser yeah, zoning. Yeah. If you can get it though, because that's a risk, you know, you've got to obviously wait for those lots to come up. So look, I would just say to people getting in, you know, if, buy what you can with your budget, but definitely if you can buy a, you know, don't have to be the best house, just buy, you know, the old bunker house, buy the land. There's still some really good blocks between the Berwick and the Jarrah Road. You're six, seven hundred, eight hundred square metre blocks. So it's certainly a suburb that's probably not for your avid developer, but no. certainly for your hip, younger, cool person yep. with a switched on mind mm-hmm. for the medium future. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How about that median house price? I know we don't like talking too much about median house <laughs> yeah. prices because we don't, 
They don't reflect much. But well, they don't that's reflect. Our, that's yeah, our game. Yeah, I on know. The they don't so. reflect much because a medium are there taking into account the units that are selling for those 150, yeah. 200 grand, and then your million dollar homes. It's like it's like an RP data search. I hate them as well. You yeah. tap it in. Let's see how much your house is worth. But they're never right. They're never right. Exactly. <laughs> they're never right. right. So it's a medium. Um, I think you were telling me the medium house price because I, you know, at East Park, Park's like five hundred eighty-seven thousand. Exactly right. Yeah. If you had five hundred eighty-seven thousand in your pocket, mm-hmm. what would Tash Wellburn do? Well, I would probably do what a few young people have just done. Bought the um, old house on the larger block, the seven eight hundred square meter block, but the house isn't, you know, it needs a lot of work, but livable, and hold on to your land, land bank, you can't go wrong. So, Tash Wellman, thank you very much Absolute for coming pleasure. in, mate. It's, it's been a very quick snapshot, <laughs> super six shooter fire on it, and I really, this has been a fun chat. Okay, wonderful, thank you. thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!